Hello, and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I'm Len Foote. Welcome to the program. We are coming to you live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the craft service has reached an unprecedented height. Man, I am looking at this with just total jealousy. Delicious. Eileen said, man, I got to really step up my production game here. She's putting me to shame. Uh, but she did. Uh, she did. Uh, she did help get us uh, this microphone. <laughs> yes, you sound especially crisp. <laughs> and she did uh, get us a sound engineer that works cheap. Yeah, very happy about that. Yes, that was a, bit, that was a big score. Um, but uh, anyway, welcome to the program. We're going to be talking the movies of the star wars franchise and we'll be talking our favorite movies our favorite characters what we like what we don't like what we hope to see in the future this is sure to be one that inspires controversy and strong opinions no doubt len yeah len i see you are wearing a t-shirt showing is that the millennium falcon there i think it's the death star no it's the death star i'm sorry Duster. And you are uh, dressed up as Admiral Akbar. Well, I am a little muffled. It's because he has the whole Akbar mask on everyone. (laughs) No jokes about this. Not on YouTube. It's only, only audio. (laughs) Our top shelf Jag bag listeners can see Beave in his full Akbar glory. (laughs) I came here in my spaceship and I am ready. Great. I forgot my lightsaber, though, which I am distressed about. But since Akbar doesn't carry a lightsaber, I think that will be okay. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% true to form Akbar. It's yes. a little unsettling, actually. I think it's uh, I think it's wrong how uh, the George Lucas has done the Mon Calamari in this series. <laughs> but that's another four-part podcast. Our Mon Calamari podcast. We're also going to talk about Len's irrational <laughs> hatred of the Mon Calamari race and his fishist behavior. (laughs) We'll also be talking uh, College Hoops, an amazing weekend for uh, Illinois-based teams. We'll be talking the NBA, Bulls and Cavs. We'll be talking uh, reaction to Lens, Genesis, Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, Mike, and the Mechanics Bracket, and the unusual passions this bracket has unleashed. Yep. We'll talk Rolling Stone Top 500 Albums of All Time, where we'll go through one or ten albums from the list <laughs> and give you our unvarnished opinion. And we'll also be talking through a little bit of listener feedback. As always, we are grateful for everyone who listens to our podcast, if you like what you hear, please like us on various uh, platforms. Please give us a thumbs up or a five-star rating on said platforms. Please subscribe to us if that's uh, an option available to you. And as always, feel free to tell a friend about us. Hashtag Jagbags. And uh, let's get to it. Let's uh, let's start with uh, the uh, 
the bracket, which is off to a, a roaring start. I have followed this more closely than other brackets. I don't know why. I'm just curious. <laughs> I think it's because it's four different, four different performers, basically. Because you have Genesis, but Gen- even Genesis is like two different ones. You have the early progressive Peter Gabriel era. Then you have the Phil Collins era. You have Phil Collins solo, you have Peter Gabriel solo, and then you have Mike and the Mechanics. Mike and the Mechanics has pretty much been treated with indifference, but (laughs) the Phil Collins thing is, that's where you get the most passion. You have people just angry at some of (laughs) Phil Collins songs. People People are voting with emojis of people (laughs) holding their nose. A lot of a lot of passion, and uh, it's it's fun when it's like that. I feel like Peter Gabriel is everyone's favorite, though, from what I'm seeing. He does not get bashed. I have not it's, seen one Peter Gabriel song bashed, and I've seen about ten Phil Collins songs get bashed. Yes, yes. It feels like. Does it feel like, for the most part, if it's a Peter Gabriel song going up against a Phil Collins song? It feels like Peter Gabriel is winning. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But that was the first round. Like I said, it's it's 96 songs. So that play-in round, those are kind of the deeper cuts. So Peter Gabriel's done pretty well with those. Are there any songs that are doing well that uh, are surprising you so far? Yes. Shaking the Tree is surprising. Yeah. Shaking the Tree won its first matchup pretty easily, and I think it's winning its second one. So I think you're right, and I, from what I who's it going up against in that in that second round? Uh, I'd have to look. I don't. I don't. Even, but I don't even. I didn't realize people even knew that song that well. But I remember it's it. winning big, as I recall. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember who it's up against, but yeah, it's a sleeper, and it's going. It's doing pretty well. I love that song. Yeah. And uh, so I'm very pleased to see it doing uh, well. And um, I don't know. It seems like uh, I, 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 a clear favorite has yet to emerge. That's true. I don't. I don't know. It's. It's. That's what is making it fun. I'm not sure what's going to win this. No, me neither. Me neither. There'll be more um, yelling. That'll be exciting. The, <laughs> <laughs> I like the yelling. Especially if two hearts continues, it's uh, <laughs> whoa. Who I don't knew? think two hearts will win. I don't think two hearts. I'm going to go crazily out on a limb and say, I don't think two <laughs> hearts will win. <laughs> uh, well, we'll, up, we'll update next week. Yes. And uh, on the, all the Phil Collins anger. <laughs> it's, going, um, it's going up against Sue studio this time. <laughs> a lot of a lot of snark on Sue Studio. Oh, yeah. Sue Studio is getting destroyed. <laughs> I like Sue Studio. I can't say that I, I, I don't, I don't like it. But I, but my hatred is not as strong as other, other <laughs> the Phil Collins songs. Um, but uh, let's move on to uh, College Hoops. Man, what a week for Illinois and Loyola. Uh, the two 
first of all, let's just say Northwestern's just totally out of it. Nope. Nope. Good luck next year. If they win five in a row, tourney bound. They can they could beat Illinois. They have to win five in a row. First, they have to beat uh who are they playing first? Um Minnesota. Who's which they already have. They're slumping. They could beat Minnesota. They can beat Minnesota. After that, it gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> I want them. They're not a bad team, though. I, I really think they'll do pretty well next year. I want them to play Michigan State just so I can watch Izzo, you know, uh, just you know, face I hope Michigan State. Lo- <laughs> I always think about Michigan State now ever since our Izzo discussion on a previous podcast. Yes. Along with Greg Cott. I still yeah. haven't forgiven him. <laughs> but uh, Michigan State plays Maryland in their first game. Maryland is pretty good. So they might yeah. lose. And if they lose, there's a chance they don't make the tournament. Which right now, good. like the prognosticators say that Michigan State will make it. But I think if they lose their first Big Ten, it'd be tough to put them in. Uh, Maryland has like the same record as them. But a, I think a better conference record. So, you, how do you keep Maryland out? No, I think Maryland will probably be in no matter, almost no matter what, because they've had a pretty good year. Yeah. So it'd be nice if Michigan State did. It looks like Duke definitely. I think Duke's five hundred now. Right. So Duke won't be in. Ah. Uh, but as far as the uh, local yes. teams, the other two local teams, the Illini, there they've been incredible. Oh. They beat. They the, destroyed Michigan. That game was not right. a contest. Amazing. And then uh, Ohio State, they uh, they were down towards the end of the game. They came back, made a nice comeback, and made all the big plays at the end. So that's makes uh, you know they're peaking at the right time. I mean, uh, we talked about uh, how this would be a real test for them, uh, Michigan and Ohio State, and they passed that test with flying colors. Yeah, they're they're ranked number three now. You'd have to say that barring complete collapse in the Big Ten tournament, that they'll they have to have have a number one seed kind of almost I sewn up. I don't up. even know if that matters because if they lose their first game, they have a double bye. So whoever they lose to, if if Illini lose their first game in Big Ten tournament, they're going to lose to a good team. Because they don't play till Friday. The, other, the, the lesser Big Ten teams play on Wednesday and Thursday, and then the Illini plays, you know, they're going to play somebody halfway decent. So losing them, I don't know if that'll even knock them down a seed the way, they, the, way the rest of their year has been. Um, and then the Loyola, they moved up to, they're ranked 18th now. Yeah. They moved up a few spots. And they played, they played really well because last week, the weekend before, they kind of struggled against Southern Illinois, who isn't the best team, but they played the better MVC teams. They, um, they blew out Indiana State. Yep. And Drake, who I hope Drake makes the tournament. I think they deserve it. Drake played Loyola fairly tough, but um Loyola was able to beat them for the championship and what I like about Loyola right now is their point guard is playing really well Norris he's been because now he's scoring 
making threes, handling the ball real well. And if you have a guard like that, and then you have a guy like Crutwig who can get his shot off and is a good passer, they, they got a shot to go fairly far. And their defense is like one of the best in college basketball. Yeah. yeah. So it's looking, looking good for them too. I read an article today that said there is almost zero chance. This was in the athletic. So take it for what you will. Um, but they said there's zero chance that Porter Mosier, the Loyola coach comes back next year that he will almost certainly go to another program. I, I don't know what I think of that. Um, there's, there's talk. He could go to DePaul. I was, and I was thinking, why would you leave Loyola, which you have built into a, you know, you're now the king of, you're the king of Rogers park. You've got, you know, a great program where people are coming in, people want to play for you and you want to chuck that all to go start over at De- DePaul is a reclamation project. I don't yeah, see that De- happening. DePaul's a really hard job right now because they don't, they don't get the players. Right. And they haven't been good for what? 15 years. Yeah. It, even longer than that. Not since the days of Quentin Richardson. <laughs> yes. I was thinking that might've been the last time they were good. And uh, I mean, if he went somewhere like some ACC team, you could understand it at least if he gets yeah. like, a huge contract and, but to, I mean, it's a big accomplishment to get a mid-major like Loyola, not only get them to the final four, but then what, three years later, get them ranked. And it's just a great coaching job. So I know he says all the right things. I remember a year or two ago, he was talking like, I'm not going to leave Loyola. But if you get offered a crazy amount of money, right great facilities and access to everything it's hard to it's hard to skip out on that this article said he turned down the saint john's job that's not that but that's almost like the paul because saint john's they've been they might have made a tournament a couple times in the past 10 years but they haven't been a power in ages either it took Mosier. I mean, Loyola was not an overnight success. I mean, it took Mosier a while to turn that program, get it going in the right direction to where they are now. I mean, his first four or five years, I mean, he was, you know, just trying to, you know, gain a foothold and, and, and get the program, you know, just, you know, just competitive. Yeah. And, what you were talking about with their defense, that's, that's usually coaching if you have a lockdown defense, because every kid on your team is um, listening to you and giving their best effort, that's what, that's what a lot of what defense is. Right. And so I can see, I can see everybody wanting him to coach them. He might have an easier chance because if he's coming in and now he's got a track record, um, yeah. Yeah. it might be. Or you could just stay at Loyola and, you know, continue. They said the, one of the main things, then we'll move on. Um, but one of the main things that, um, not a frustration, but sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm in, Mosier's thinking, I'm in this to get to the tournament and compete for national championships. But it seems like the only way to, for the Loyola, a mid-major program, is you, you have to win 
you got to win the tournament. That's and, why I hope Drake makes it this year. Right. Because Drake was undefeated. They were like 20 and 0. Right. You have to let a team like that make the tournament. I agree. I hope they get into. Yeah. And next week on our podcast, we're going to talk our some of our March Madness picks too to go along with our other subject. Right. Uh, let's move on to NBA. Um, uh, it was the all-star break this weekend. Uh, team LeBron defeated team Durant in a thrilling action packed where now I guess it's just people just shoot from half court now. But I, I think, you know what though? I watched the all-star game two or three years ago and I hated it this year. I enjoyed it because guys like Curry and Lillard, they make those shots. Those are almost normal shots for those guys now. It's crazy. And, and uh, those two guys, uh, Jokic, uh, Giannis, they were having a great time out there. They're having fun. And it's just, it's just fun to watch these super talented guys. And it wasn't like a, everybody gets a fast break dunk or layup. It was, it was more a lot of shooting threes and just, you know, it was, it wasn't a slap fest like that one all-star game I watched a few years ago. And I love the three point contest. I always want to watch that. And uh, I even like the skills competition, the, the dunk competition, the problem with the dunk competition is guys do these pretty amazing things, but they're, still things other people might have done years ago. It's hard to top that. This, the guy who won the contest, he basically jumped two feet over the rim, grabbed the ball off this other rim and dunked it, which is amazing, but he didn't even get a reaction. Really. <laughs> That's how hard it is. So I, I mean, it's not like they're not doing uh, amazing things. It's just, they've kind of been done before. There's, they're still, great talents and these amazing leapers and everything, but there's just something about dunk contests. that's hard to really wow anybody anymore. I, I agree with you. And I feel like unless there's somebody that really comes along and revolutionizes it. Um, I mean, the last like dunker that really, that I felt like, Oh my God, this guy is great. Like I would stop and watch a highlight reel of his dunks. I mean, really, it would be Blake Griffin. Yeah, I can't think. Is there anyone who's come after Blake Griffin that's like you're an awesome dunker? Nah, I can't I think, think of one. Myself, yeah, yeah. And one one other quick thing before we stop at the NBA is the Bulls had a nice win to end the uh, first half, beating the Pelicans. I thought they were gonna blow it, but they pulled it out. So they're I think they're in a nine spot right now. I think that's right. So that was good to see. And yeah, they're right there. Maybe Mark and Porter reporter comes back and comes back and they gives them a little boost and hopefully they get to the playoffs. Should be an exciting uh, sprint to the finish. And uh, it's good to have the bulls um, back in the thick of things as opposed yeah, to, I, I think basketball has been great this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, uh, Boylan is was last seen um, hitchhiking. Uh, I think he lost his car, um, and uh, so to parts unknown. 
maybe he's maybe he's off uh, on a scouting trip. Uh, there he's applying to be an assistant coach at a Division Seven school. <laughs> That's the I didn't know they had Division Seven. Division Seven. I think in Alaska. I think that's where he was driving that's a, to. That's a good place for him. Yeah, I think I think he'll do well there. <laughs> he'll land on his feet. He's too smart of a guy. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to the Rolling Stone top five hundred. Uh, every week, Len and I take uh, an album or four or nine or twenty six. And uh, we review them and share our thoughts with you, the Jag Bags listener. Um, this week, uh, Len has reviewed, you know, Mr. Overachiever, you know, Mr. <laughs> you know, setting new goals, never satisfied with standing still, but setting new records. Len was, has 10 albums for us. But there's a story behind that. I have one. You have one. <laughs> Oh, well, let me guess. You immersed yourself. <laughs> you laid down with this album and sang sweet nothings to it while you had Alex jot down notes for you. You, you know me so well, Len. You really... Anyways. I can't say any better than that. Yes. Last week, I underachieved. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was disappointed. I only listened to two. So I got my staff together. Had a lot of meetings this week. Oh boy. If you remember, I gave him Sunday off. That didn't happen this weekend. Oh. So we worked all weekend straight through. <laughs> slept in the office, you know, three hours. That's usually enough. Get a good sleep. So we were able to listen to 10 and take a lot of notes. And I feel better now. I feel this makes up for last week. I feel that making your staff run suicide drills uh, was might have taken it a step too far. I thought they were taking advantage of me, okay? Got to get the respect back. Eleanor said she was Who vomiting. Sundays off. What is that? Seriously. Well, I had to make sure I wasn't slipping. <laughs> Do you want to start with your first immersion or should I run through my 10? We might, I might as well just do my, uh, um, you know, paltry um, drenching of music that I did uh, before we get to your magnum opus of reviews. Uh, I listened to uh, album number 482. And uh, this album is by the... Scottish group Bell and Sebastian and uh, ranked 482 on uh, Rolling Stone. The album is called If You're Feeling Sinister and it was released in 1996. And uh, this record is the type of record that uh, you would play if you were like having a dinner party, but you wouldn't play it during dinner. It'd be after dinner. If you're sitting around with like wine and you're like, Hey, let's play charades or, you know, Parcheesi or let's play some boggle. And you put on a little bell and Sebastian boggle, a staple of parties these days. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pre pandemic. Yes. 
Beaven is legendary Boggle fan. Well, um, it would be the type of guest who would play <laughs> Boggle. So maybe he's some sort of academic and uh, maybe he wears a lot of sweaters. And- Let's hope uh, we can still get that Boggle sponsorship if he's yes. insulted so their product. It's a, yes. Oh, Boggle. We could be a very good uh, sp- sponsors of Boggle. I, I think so. So uh, Bell and Sebastian, that's a uh, music to play Boggle by um, is, uh, is my review of that record. Um, and uh, I would, is it better than Pavement? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm going to have another Pavement one soon. So that'll be exciting. That will be. Pavement's a little more rocking than Bell and Sebastian. I'm um, not really familiar with them, but a guy on Twitter is doing a poll of albums from a certain year and i think bell and sebastian actually won one of them they're very popular and uh, this album and and it's it's true that like they were one of the first to do these types of songs that you might hear in like in a wes anderson movie or movies uh, like juno or that are very kind of like um you know twee and speaking of we gotta. You have to uh, talk about the director. You forgot. Do you want to do right. it now? We're Should I do it, it now? Yeah, do it now. We're, we're thinking about it. Yeah, I forgot last week. Uh, for anyone out there who did not, who missed our episode um, last week, we talked about our ten favorite uh, movie directors, and uh, went through the list, and we had some honorable mentions. And uh, I was go or Declan, our my our uh, sound engineer, and. Uh, uh, my teenage son uh, uh, reminded me that uh, um, he and I both like Christopher Nolan movies. And uh, we watched his latest movie, Tenet, um, which, uh, you know, I, you know, I was, I was confused half the time, which I think is a hallmark of Christopher Nolan movies, but Christopher Nolan does great action sequences intent. You got to watch Tenet. He crashes an actual airplane into a building. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch and it. films it. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. I was confused about half the time, but you said you'd explain it to me. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will have many. Uh, I'll do it on a lot of colored index cards too. I need those. I know I that do. helps you. I I do. I have trouble with <laughs> I have trouble with the chronology. Is Christopher Nolan? He's done Memento, right? That was his first one. Yeah, that was. That's his... a really good movie, and mm-hmm. Inception's really good. Mm-hmm. And he did three Batman movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like Christopher Nolan. He could have been on mine, I think. Yeah, he did Dunkirk. Did you ever see Dunkirk? Oh yeah, Dunkirk's really good too. Talking, then- he's really good at filming those sequences because Dunkirk, one of the battle scenes was amazing. He really is a master of the action sequences in yeah. Tenet. He's got about like two or three that I was like. I have no idea what's going on here, but explosions. Yes. <laughs> Lots of guys running around with guns and they're trying to get a nuclear bomb. I can, I can, uh, I can understand that. Um, and uh, another good uh, Christopher Nolan movie is Interstellar. Did you ever see the Interstellar? No, that one I haven't seen yet. I heard it was good though. That's another one that I need a guide and index colored cards. All to, right. uh, I'll try to watch that too. Reef. Yeah. Anyway, Christopher Nolan. That's my honorable mention. Um, all right, let's get to your, uh, let's get to your, uh, 10 albums. 
Oh, just a reminder real quick to, to all of our listeners, the Rolling Stone Top 500, our original podcast about this that you might enjoy if you haven't listened to it yet, was episode 13. So you go into any place where you download podcasts, listen to episode 13, and we go to the, uh, do a thorough discussion on the Top 500. And the first album I'm talking about is one where both me and you were shocked that it was up this high, and that was at number 26, Horses. Yeah by patty smith and yeah. i'm like you know i'm gonna give it another listen and there is one really good song on there there's a song called free money mm-hmm. that's a good song that's a good song but the rest of it i don't know i i think with her it's the whole she has this uh reputation as this super serious artist and i the think poet yeah, that kind of, I mean, her, the book she wrote won all these awards, Just Kids. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it one of these days to see if that's any good. But that that one, she gets raves for anything she does. Yeah. I do. Me and you both, we didn't really, we don't really see the appeal. God, not my that, cup of tea. Well, that was the first one. Yeah. I think we listened to that Saturday night, like around midnight. And then uh, number 39. <laughs> Remain in light, talking heads. Ah, uh, outstanding record. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I never, I never. I don't think I ever talked to you about the talking heads. I like talking heads a lot. Yeah, me too. I listened to all of their albums a couple years ago. I went yep. through every one. And Remain in Light, it, it's a good album, but I didn't know it real well. There's a song, The Great Curve. Are you familiar familiar with that? That's a great song. That's not one of their better known songs. Yeah. And once in a lifetime's on there. Yep. Uh, and I like all their albums except for I think for their last album, their final album, I don't think's that great. Little Creatures and True Stories are their two albums I know real well. I love both of those. Mm-hmm. But everything before it is good. I think maybe this one's a little a little high, but I don't I'm not gonna complain about the talking heads being in the top five hundred. Uh, I uh I think that they are one of the, I think they're awesome because they're so unique because they're, they're not quite punk. They're not quite, you know, like not even like post-punk. They're just like a bunch of styles. They're just, they kind of just defy kind of description. And and, a great, uh, great album title, more songs about buildings and food. Yeah. <laughs> I, David Byrne is uh David Byrne's great. Um, my favorite uh, song from Remain in Light is Cross-Eyed and Painless. Yeah, it's a good album. Yeah. What's your favorite Talking Heads album? My favorite would be Fear of Music. That's my favorite. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. Agreed. I mean, I mean, it's I mean, Little Creatures is great. Um, I love Little Creatures. I mean, I love uh, Stop Making Sense. Yeah, that's uh, good. That's, Even though that's, that's almost, I feel like Stop Making Sense out of all their albums is the one that had the most impact. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the one I would say put that in, uh, put that in the highest spot. But again, we both like them, so I don't really have complaints about that. Agreed. The next one at number 154, Amazing Grace, Aretha Franklin. 
Did you know that this is her best-selling album, Amazing Grace? I did not know that. And I remember I was kind of familiar with it because I think three years ago, they finally released the movie of it because it was a big thing. They filmed it and the album, everybody loved the album. And for some reason they couldn't get, I don't know what was going on with it. They couldn't get the rights to something. And they finally released it three years ago. And it's all church hymns basically but it's aretha it's belting it out i mean i'm not i'm not religious but it's it's powerful and i get why it's it's in the top 500 i mean that's where she got started is you know as a gospel or you know, yeah and her father was a minister and her father grew up singing in the church right yeah her father is honest too i don't i just wish you almost want to just go no more talking <laughs> just, <laughs> I, want, I just want i just want to hear her sing but yeah it's 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 a good album it's it's powerful even if you're not religious i think you would get something out of it so and then the one right after that was number 155 the black album by jay-z and we will be talking about him next week because to go along with March Madness, we're going to talk about the Rock Hall of Fame. And Jay-Z is up for induction this year. Right. And the Black Album, I like the Black Album. It's got 99 Problems on it. And it's got a song called Dust Off Your Shoulder that I like. <laughs> I think all his albums are pretty good because I think because the backing tracks are always um they always fit with what he's talking about and he's i think he's there's something about like his confidence or something and he's not like hostile or anything so i, I always i enjoy his stuff what about you with jay-z anything i um the black album is my favorite jay-z album which is kind of like saying my favorite um uh way to get uh punched is uh in the in the so is, not really a jay-z fan huh? is in the stomach that's my favorite way to get punched um no i'm not a jay-z fan i i i don't understand the appeal he's he's, he's a billionaire i mean he's 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 the king of, of hip hop, him and Kanye. And uh, I think Kanye West is a 1 billion times more talented than Jay-Z. I, I've never gotten it. I thought that guy was just, he was a good, good businessman, good hustler, not so good of a rapper. Just mm -hmm. that, just my opinion. Yeah. But, the, but the black album is my favorite Jay-Z album. Well, no doubt. the next one I listened to is one of your favorites. The Stranger by Billy Joel. All right. The, I mean, we had this album growing up, yeah. but I, I realized that it, there's a couple songs that I didn't remember. So I'm like, I'm going to give it another listen. And one good thing about this album is it's not like a song like Moving Out. I'm not 
tired of it anymore. I can listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> because if you grew up in the era we did, Billy Joel was all over the radio in the 70s and the 80s. Right. But now I put I put on The Stranger. I'm like, all right. You know, none of this is like, all right, I don't need to listen to this. I've heard this I eight mean, billion times, right? Because it's got The Stranger, Just the Way You Are. Yep. Vienna, seen yep. some Italian restaurant, Only a Good Day Young. She's always a woman. Those are all popular. big hits. And yeah, so I was very happy. I listened to this. And I think I even texted you. I was like, I am enjoying this William Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and I like him, but again, he's he's been he was played to death in the in the seventies and eighties. So, but the Stranger is a good one to put on now. It's I still agree. Kind of a little hard to I listen agree. to. Uh, I can't listen to Piano Man. <laughs> and you may be right, and it's still rock and roll to me, which are songs I, I like, but those still are, I need a break from still. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, albums or songs from the album An Innocent Man? That's got uh, Tell Her About It and Uptown Girl. I don't think and... those were played as much as the ones on. Glass Houses, 52nd Street and a Stranger. Yeah. They were popular, but he, uh, I feel like the earlier ones weren't just played on light stations. I feel like Innocent Man got played more on light stations. Right. And the other ones got played on the classic rock stations and played on the light stations. Right. Right. Yeah. It was kind of a transition for him, I think. He, mm -hmm. he didn't get as much of the, like the loop and stuff didn't didn't play uh, in an innocent man. No, no, they did not. So those didn't get you know. No matter where you go, you weren't going to hear longest time. Like if you put the loop on, you weren't going to hear. <laughs> you weren't going to hear that. My favorite. Did you see Dan Lapke's? Uh, uh, he put on his Facebook page uh, most difficult songs to strip to. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the <laughs> longest time by Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> i am still known in many parts of evanston <laughs> but, the, but the stranger belongs and the one after the stranger i agree number 170 disraeli gears oh please yeah it's that's this is like a no-brainer to put this one on there yeah. But again, there were a few songs I didn't remember, so, so I put it on. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is classic Cream, because it has "Strange Brew," "Sunshine of Your Love," "Tales of Brave Ulysses," and "Swadler," <laughs> <laughs> which is a great song. Clapton uh, has been getting a bad rap lately, just for you know various reasons. Well, he's crazy, and which he, is so you know, funny. Him and Van Morrison. No lockouts. Feel yeah. free to infect each other. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is uh I think the the Queen, I mean the Queen Cream album I listen to the most is Wheels of Fire, because I got that for like a quarter when I was a yeah. kid at a secondhand store. But this really gears is is very worthy. Cream was just I mean, because they were more than Clapton because Ginger Baker was a an unbelievable drummer and uh, Jack Bruce was great on the, I mean, they're just a great trio that played so 
well off each other, very inventive. And it's far more than just Clapton, you know, going wow, wow, wow on them. By the way, that was a pinpoint impression of <laughs> this is a Clapton solo. You probably Last thought week, that uh, Eric Clapton was singing. Now he's doing amazing guitar sounds. <laughs> he... No truth Please to the rumor. Please review Police Academy because no, Beep is here for your sound effects. No truth to the rumor that Clapton <laughs> is here next to me actually playing his guitar. Anyways. <laughs> that was number 170. Number 171, Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth. I like this album too. Yes. I'm not, not super familiar with it, but I know I, I listened to it a couple years ago and I liked it. So I'm like, I'm gonna give it another listen. Yeah, that's good. And they they're a critic favorite. They are, and uh, and I did not like them for that reason, because all the pointy-headed critics were like, this is the most important album <laughs> of the '80s. And I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but I I like it. I really do. I really like Daydream Nation. It's it's unusual. It's more like soundscapes kind of. Yep. And he does, he's just really just, just does very Thurston Moore just does, does very cool things with the guitar. He's got a good voice too. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's on you. There's no one else like them. Yep. Yeah. I want to, I want to go back to that one for sure. Yeah. And then coming up after that was, oh, there's a note here from one of my staff members. Help me. It says, help me. Send, send food. Resignation letter. Colorful language. A little bit of blood. <laughs> All right. I've got a stack of resumes on my desk. Everyone wants to be associated with me. So we will have no problem filling your post. Cleave. Leave, you are welcome. He put it on his notes about Bridge Over Troubled Water, <laughs> which came in at number 172. Poor Cleave. He wrote great album and then a lot of symbols. <laughs> the A with the circle around it. And I won't I won't read anymore, but he makes he makes good point. I mean, it's if you're gonna put a Simon and Garfunkel one, this is their best song, at least to me. Bridge Over Troubled Water, Cecilia, Only Living Boy in New York, Baby Driver, The Boxer. The main reason I listened to it was because I didn't know some of the other ones. And, uh, well, I almost think this should be, maybe be up a, a little higher even, 172. I certainly think it's better than, certainly think it's better than Horses by Patti Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, you know, get up to 100 or something. Right. Yeah. I feel like it was higher. I mean, this isn't the first Rolling Stone greatest albums of all yeah, time. List. It was probably a lot higher. I feel like it was ranked higher. Yeah. But uh, you could have put it ahead of Patti Smith for sure. I love the Bridge Over Troubled Water. I think it's, you know, it's unlike any other because it, it's super produced and it's almost got this just, you know, kind of like epic feel to it. And Bridge Over Troubled Water, man, that's, that's just always just, that's a great, great song. Great song. Yeah, and Paul Simon's a great songwriter. Yeah. 
he, I mean, none of his, I feel like anytime he writes a song, he never has mailed in a song. There's it's, no like, there's no like doobie woobie wooba a song. <laughs> or <laughs> I patiently love you, Paul Simon. It's, it's really strong songwriting. Oh my gosh. And the thing about Bridge Over Troubled Water, the song is that it's so singular. It's probably the song he's most famous for, I would think. Definitely, yeah. And but it doesn't really sound like a Paul Simon song. It's I don't know. Cause his songs are all kind of quirky and they got, you know, weird lyrics and they're kind of offbeat a little bit. But this one is kind of like it's it's like a grand kind yeah. of anthem almost you know it's been covered by everyone mm-hmm. and um you know and in in a variety of styles i i know that uh aretha franklin covered it like kind of I'm as sure a gospel kind yeah. of yeah. yeah it's it's yeah you're right it's sweeping and epic and that's not really a paul simon thing normally no no and art garfunkel's just sings the hell out of it. Perfect choice. And then, okay, my last one. Another note on this one. <clears throat> What's that's Y U N I O Union? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the at number one seventy four. <laughs> The Harder They Come soundtrack. Oh. And the two Jimmy Cliff songs are the standouts on this one. The title cut, which I do like a reprise of at the end of it. And you can get you can get it if you really want it. That's really good too. Yep. The rest of it though, I don't think it's that great. But he's like a he's a reggae pioneer like Bob Marley. So Maybe that's why they felt like they need to include this one. Yeah, Rolling Stone was big into reggae. I mean, they just really plugged it when it was popular, and they, they a few months ago they did a a thing top twenty reggae albums ever. Yeah, I mean they've just always been big reggae fans. Yeah. Um, tell me, we're really into reggae. I don't mind reggae in small doses. Me too. Uh, my, uh, our friend Kirk Pinchon, who will be a guest, um, in May for an upcoming podcast. Should we tell them the topic or just keep it a no, secret that's for great. now? That's great. That's great. He can't stand reggae. Thinks it's the worst <laughs> music ever. It's hilarious. It's just what <laughs> he hates reggae. <laughs> you must've really laughed. Do you remember that scene in ghost world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i never forget that because i think somebody i was watching was got mad at me because i laughed at it because just for those of you who don't know there's a scene in ghost world where these like frat guys are sitting around a table and the lead character in ghost world played by thor birch is just shaking her head at them and they get up and they leave and go Hey man, let's go listen to some reggae. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the way they say it. And I, whoever was watching it with me got mad and was like, why is that funny? It just is. 
You know, I don't have a, a problem with reggae so much. I have a problem with reggae fans. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why it was funny because yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was it. So, well, I hope your employee situation can be uh, resolved. We have no problems here. <laughs> Clean up your own house. Just felt a small chill there. Yeah. I hope the missing persons report on Cleve is resolved soon. Hey, he, Cleve quit. <laughs> hey, the weak ones can't handle it. You know? Hopefully, hopefully Cleve, once he uh, gets through his PTSD treatments. Listen, Etienne just society. had a baby. She didn't, she didn't call in sick. Etienne comes. She was here all weekend working. Writing gold for us. Etienne comes from a third world country background. So she's no stranger to these types of conditions. <laughs> Anyways. God love Etienne. Let's, uh, I know you've tried to poach her several times. Well, I mean, uh, she. I feel she could serve as a very strong uh, mentor for my staff of Alex and my new man, Blutch. Blutch actually gets stuff done. I like Blutch. Alex should have been fired. Actually, Alex should have never been hired. But. Alex is working through his own personal journey. And I feel that we need to support him as he discovers his own truth. Oh and I... Uh, feel that sometimes you are not supportive of that. And, uh, and in fact, uh, are dismissive of Alex's attempts to lead a productive life. I might take you more seriously if you didn't have the Akbar mask on. <laughs> ridiculous. Hearing that come out from a fish person. <laughs> Listen, do you want a good Star Wars podcast or not? Let's go. Let's get to it. I, I, it's important to remain in character. All right. We are now to the meat of the program. And this is the franchise known as Star Wars. On a, uh, we're going to talk the movies. We're going to talk characters. We're going to, we're going to try and cover it all. And we won't be able to cover it all because oh. Star Wars is just, it's, it's its own, uh, it's its own beast. Um, how uh, were you a big Star Wars fan at the very beginning, like when when the first New Hope came out in '77? When it, I actually, when it first came out, I think I was ten. And when you're a kid, you don't really know; you just heard about it, right? And I remember being super excited, though. I mean, mm -hmm. my friends went, sat. It was packed. The theater was packed. Yes, we sat in the front row, loved it. Mm -hmm. And what's so different about back then was there's no DVDs or anything. So you have to, you know, you have to go see it. If you like it, you can't just wait for it to come out on DVD or go to cable or anything. You had to go back to the theater and see it again. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why one, why star Wars fans are so passionate because if you grew up with it, and liked it, you might have gone and seen it at the theater like 10 times. I didn't see it 10 times, but I probably saw it two or three. 
Yeah. And I did too. And then it got re-released because it made so much money. They brought it back to the theaters. Right. A couple years later and everybody went to see it again. Uh, yeah, I was, I, I loved it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, I remember seeing and Gigantic Lion again. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I am a hilarious jokester. When we, were, when we were done seeing the movie, I walked past everybody and said, I can't believe Han Solo is Luke's father. See, see what you do. See what you. <laughs> hilarious. You are blazing new trails. Yeah, but Star I, I Wars love, based comedy with that. I love, I love, well, I would come on. I was 14. So, yes. Um, yeah, you put, you hit on a good point is that Star Wars was the first movie that I wanted to see again. Like, walk, walking out of the theater, I remember thinking, can we see that again? And, and uh, I had never thought that way about any other movie before. What's, I think, what's impressive about, I, I even looked up. I'm like, I thought George Lucas directed it, but I made sure because the pacing of it, I, I rewatched it last week. It is just nonstop. Yeah. It, I think at the running time, it's a little over two hours because I looked that up too. Cause I'm like, man, that movie flew by. Yeah. And I knew everything that was going to happen. I've seen, you know, I've seen a bunch of times and everything, but it is super well directed. Just sucks you in right away. It, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's amazing how much it holds up and it still looks cool 43 years later 44 years later yeah i mean i mean yeah just the imagination of like and and kind of like tropes that we've seen before you know a space station and a death ray and uh you know lightsaber i guess lightsabers were that was new i remember thinking lightsabers were the coolest thing i'd ever seen but you know, like forbidden planets, but it seemed fresh and real, and just these worlds that he created um, were. It just seemed such an epic, um, grand kind of um, you know conflict, and um, uh, yeah, it's just great. I mean, I remember thinking there's nothing else like it, and then Empire too, when that came out. Um, again, that was a movie that I wanted to see again and again. I was like, how can this be better? But it is so shocking. Yes. So, such a dark ending that you, you're like, what, what happened there? Right. It's yeah. like, oh, that's not a happy ending. Like the first one was yeah, there's to be continued. You had to wait three years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, who is well should we go through the movies or should we go through characters uh well let's start with characters i guess real quick yeah make it quick do you have a favorite you have a favorite i know who your least favorite character is (laughs) i'm wearing the costume and i don't appreciate you just pointing and laughing what was the movie we saw that i started laughing right we're in this theater i i don't know was it um which one did you see with us? Jedi? Was it Force Awakens or was it Rogue One? I don't remember, but I just <laughs> it was just etched in uh, lore. 
Boy, we have such clear memories of seeing Star Wars and Empire. And then we're like, what movie did we see together? It is. It, well, we're older too, though. Right. When you're a kid, you just absorb everything completely. True. Especially when you love it. Right. But, yeah. We were saying... <laughs> Akbar came out and I just started laughing. It was me and you and Brian and uh, Joe Ruckoff, I think. Yeah, yeah. You were laughing and going like, oh, God, it's him. So ridiculous. And you guys were hiding your Akbar fan (laughs) cards in your wallet. As we were moving to a a different row. (laughs) I don't know who that guy is. More of a fish-friendly row. Bro, I mean. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. What's your problem with the Mon Calamari? Makes me laugh. You got against them. It just makes me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, know, fish-faced, I know a fish-faced <laughs> commander just is uh, <laughs> not someone you could take very seriously. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I know Brian thinks he's a brave warrior, and I've warned <laughs> his name forever. Listen, if you go on Wikipedia. <laughs> We'll see that the Mon Calamari are an, an ancient race of proud warriors. You know, actually, the Akbar mask works when you're talking to me about it like that. Do I have the gravity of it does. Uh, it extra weight? So yes. maybe next Good. time we go see a Star Wars movie, if they bring Akbar back. Put it on. Wear the mask. Maybe I will. Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming full on Akbar. <laughs> Rest <laughs> assured. And I know Brian will stand with me and dress as Radis. <laughs> or his new character. Dickie <laughs> Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> so my son's favorite character. I think it's interesting because my son is 18 now mm-hmm. and also grew up with Star Wars. And, um, you know, my, my daughter is a huge Harry Potter fan. Star Wars never took with her. Mm-hmm. Whereas my son, like Marvel, yeah, he's sort of into Harry Potter, not so much, but Star Wars to the, you know, big time. And his favorite character was Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boba Fett's cool. Yeah. And I think he said he likes him because he um he liked him because Boba Fett was the only Star Wars character or warrior that Darth Vader truly feared. And um which I did not know. The and, mercenary uh, menace of right. Boba Fett. Yeah. And uh, Declan really um you know really uh, which I thought was a kind of an interesting choice for favorite character henry has an interesting choice too i will give you a hint Uh, a prequel character um uh darth maul no but i I like darth maul so does declan so do i i think darth maul is wasted but it's a good character yeah um palpatine no i'll give you one more clue okay lightsaber uh, Mace Windu. Yes. He loves Mace Windu because of his purple lightsaber. Declan uh, was a Mace Windu guy too. I was actually trying to think about characters today because I, I figured we were going to talk about that. You got to say Darth Vader. 
probably the greatest uh, villain of them all. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was kind of just a lot of it's luck almost because I think they realized David Prowse couldn't voice the character. Right. Well, they get James Earl Jones and such a great voice. And then you have this huge guy walking around in the Vader costume. Yes. Everything worked. His first entrance, nobody forgets that. No. The first time you're like, oh my gosh, who's this guy? (laughs) I mean, you you know, I was 10 or 11 or whatever, but still, it's just. And it shouldn't have worked because so cheese while this guy comes out in a cape and like a a helmet. Who's this guy? Yeah, there's so many things that could have gone wrong that didn't. But I was like, oh my God. I think everybody is. Yeah. And he picked up that guy and choked him. This is a consulship. Where is the ambassador? (laughs) Yeah. More sound effects from Beaver, everyone. Look for him in Police Academy, the new generation coming out in, (laughs) when is that coming out? 2022? Yes. I also sing. A podcast about that. Beaver will be in his cop uniform. It'll be very exciting. Yes. And and my Akbar mask. No. No. Come on. You just were complimenting my Akbar mask. Star Wars, not for a different movie franchise. I feel that Akbar crosses genres and generations. Fine, I'll take it off. Just for that, you can you can keep it on for this podcast. <laughs> and another thing, I was <laughs> uh, Princess Leia, of course. Yes. Very Carrie Fisher, strong female character. You totally mm-hmm. her as this tough leader fighter. It's just uh, luck of casting too. Just they cast her perfectly. And Harrison Ford. Yes. The rogue Han Solo, because you just you got everything in this. You have a great villain. You have anti-hero. You have a strong female character, and then you have. The regular guy, almost, even though he ends up not being a regular guy, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. But Mark Hamill call, comes across as a regular guy until you realize he's this uh, guy who's gonna save everybody. Well, yeah, the hopes are put, the hopes of the galaxy are put on him, and he. But you don't think that original uh, initially. No, he's just some far away kind of dope dopey uh, farm kid <laughs> there's a great meme that um i mean star wars is just chock full of memes but uh one of my favorites is uh, they uh, talk about um uh they said at age 18 uh princess leah was um you know an imperial senator and a princess and uh was flying dangerous missions and they said at age 18, Padme, uh, Anakin's wife, was, uh, you know, daringly rescued her people uh, from certain annihilation uh, through her bravery. And then they show this photo of uh, Luke Skywalker, and he's playing with those toy ships. <laughs> they said, at age 18, <laughs> Luke Skywalker was sitting in his uncle and aunt's basement. <laughs> yeah. Good. What, what about you? What who's some of your favorites? I, 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 yeah, I think Darth Vader has to be number one, and Anakin. I think that whole arc 
of Anakin from birth to death. Um, uh, is a, I, I think he, you know, winds up being the centerpiece of the whole, um, you know, Star Wars uh, saga. Um, and then like you, you know, Han, Leia, um, you know, they're both. Um, How about the most recent ones? Who's your favorite? Well, I mean, we can get into that. Um, the ones I liked best were, you know, I thought that uh, Finn and Ray were the two most interesting. I have issues with, with what they did with those two characters. I thought in The Force Awakens that they, I was like, oh, I really, out of all them, like even Kylo Ren, I wasn't as interested in his story as I was Finn and uh, Ray's because I was like, oh, that's cool. Like Finn is an ex stormtrooper who is now like, that's an interesting backstory to me. And then Ray, who has come from a very kind of the mysterious family background that ostensibly is Tatooine. You know, she has some sort of connection with the force though. We don't know what. And um, I was like, Oh, that's very, very interesting. And I really want to see where this goes. And she's going to go study under Luke Skywalker. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be good. And uh, and then I thought the next two movies just <laughs> just completely wasted those two characters uh, utterly, uh, in my opinion, anyway. But um, those are my two favorite to answer your, your question. Um, I, I love I love Ray. Yeah, I think Daisy Ridley's great. Tremendous actress. Tremendous actors. Per- perfectly cast. Very much so. Um, I just had the I just had problems with the way her character was written. Um, and and it wasn't and, and only in the last two of the you know the the newest, the Disney ones. Um, I thought her character was extremely well sketched in the, the Force Awakens. So those would be my um, okay. favorite. And and of course. Akbar. It goes without saying. I mean, mask amphibian. Yes. Um, when the Mon Calamari have their Mon Calamari Day, I will proudly be there for the parade, uh, the award ceremony, which in Mon Calamari legend goes for three straight days. You know, I'm going to start. Um, it would be like a weekend working with me. <laughs> no comment. I'd go for that. I'd go for that. <laughs> um, what is, have you ranked? Uh, so there are, I, I consider them there to be 11 Star Wars movies. There's the, the first rank them, but I can, I can figure it out. So like the, the prequels, um, the original three, the, the three Disney movies, plus rogue one and solo. Those are the ones that I count. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, before so- we talk about the movies, I've only seen the first two episodes of Mandalorian and mm. I liked them, but I, I got to get back to it. What do you think of that? What do you think of Mandalorian? You've seen them all, right? I have. And I 
think that the Mandalorian shows flashes of real greatness um, where I'm like, this is awesome. Um, just the, um, just the, uh, the, 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 um, the point in time chronologically within the whole star Wars, um, um, you know, timeline, um, is interesting. Um, I think that some of the action sequences and, uh, two of the, uh, episodes in season two were as good as any star Wars, it, um, as good as any Star Wars bit of content that I can remember ever. Um, I felt that um, John Carlo Esposito is uh, outstanding in this. Bill Burr is a makes a uh, cameo. Um, Rosario Dawson as uh, um, I'm going to butcher the uh, the Force character's name. Shokitana, um, Asokitana. Declan, when he listens to this, is going to be like, my dad is the <laughs> worst. Sucks so bad. But she, she's uh, terrific. Um, and I feel that um, I'm ex- I'm, I was excited for all the shows. There were times where I thought, well, they didn't even need that episode. Like the first two episodes of season one, or I'm sorry, the first two episodes of season two, they didn't even need you could have just, they didn't advance the plot at all. It was just, which was, you know, I didn't mind. I don't mind the Mandalorian, you know, walking the galaxy and getting into adventures with wild space creatures. That's fine. Um, but it didn't really contribute to the plot at all. So overall, I say yes to the Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So, so I did, you want to rate, you want to go, um, you want to do the ratings? You want to go, or you just want to talk about them and, and say what we rated them? Sorry. Oh, let's, uh, let's talk about them. I like that. Okay. Should we go just in order of release or? Uh, sure. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about Star Wars already. Yeah, we did. Where do you rank it? It's my second favorite. Me too. I put that number. <coughs> yeah. And Empire, we also talked about a little bit already too. Where do you rank that? That's my favorite. That's your, me too. Um, and I feel that because that's Darth Vader at his, kind of at the height of his powers. Yep. He's by far just in his element as the, the baddest the, the badass villains ever where you're just like whoa yeah it's like i like not- it when the imperial commander says and i will apologize to lord vader personally In the next scene he's like his dead corpse just like <laughs> falls apology accepted commander <laughs> like oh my god darth vader uh, yeah really as a villain there's just without peer and like you said it was dark very dark with a dark ending. Pretty gutsy to have that kind of ending with a, a, a franchise as beloved as Star Wars. Very yeah. courageous of them to end it like that. Yep. And then uh, 83 was Jedi. We can talk about Jedi a little bit because we haven't talked about that yet. 
Yeah, we can talk about Return of the Jedi. Where do you rank that? It's three. Really? Yeah. I rank it eighth. Eighth. Why do you put it eighth? Uh, for a few, a few reasons. First of all, I want to say that the opening scene where Luke is about to be executed and they pull off the rescue is as great as anything that appears in Empire or A New Hope. Um, it's just top-notch Star Wars worthy of the canon. And then I feel from there, it just went straight downhill. Um, um, I just felt that the two storylines were just sort of, you know, weak and um, with not much action and, you know, a lot of, I, I think Lucas started to get more into like creating eye candy and cool special effects. And then the Ewoks whom I just can't stand. I hate there the Ewoks. you were watching it. You were like 14 years old, stroking your chin. No. Yes, that's right. This, <laughs> this is beneath me. <laughs> I'm going to go home and soothe myself by listening to some Coltrane. <laughs> it was that that led me to jazz. Oh, okay. I healed my pain. Jedi bleeds the yes. blame. <laughs> yes. Return of the Jedi. And thank them. So obviously you didn't feel the same way you thought. No, but I haven't watched the movies a million times. I think a lot of Star Wars people are, they just obsess. They watch them a million times and nitpick yeah. them. And I know the one thing that people complain about is the Ewoks. Like, I don't, what's wrong with the Ewoks? You know, <laughs> <laughs> They are so annoying. They're just these little fur balls that are like, oh, look at us. Aren't we cute? The celebration. We thought this might be the last Star Wars movie. Uh, I mean, I like it. Yeah. Of course, again, they're all movies. <laughs> when I was, you know, when you're younger. So you attach more weight to the ones you saw when you were a kid, I think. At least I do. I wasn't as mature as you were to, you know, push posh on this. <laughs> I remember, uh, now to be honest, I remember thinking, oh, it wasn't as good as the other two. I, I remember thinking that. Well, that, that makes sense. But, the but I still was like, oh, this is really good. I remember thinking that. Like, yeah, the yeah, first it's still were, Star Wars. Yes. Well, we'll get, yeah, that's, that's my reason for a lot of these. Yeah. The first two are so great, it's hard to compare to those. Right. But I think, uh, I thought Jedi was really good. I mean, yeah. I'll have to revisit it one of these days because Henry hasn't seen it. We got to watch Empire next. Ooh. I finally got him to watch Star Wars and he loved it. So Empire is next and then, then we can watch Jedi. But then <laughs> what comes next? The Phantom Menace. I had to go into therapy after watching Phantom <laughs> I have never been so disappointed in a movie in my life. When uh, I walked out of there, I was like, oh, just it's kind of like somebody took 
a, a, a piece of art and then just splashed, you know, uh, just a big red bucket of paint all over it. Yes. 16 years you waited for, here we go. You're excited. New Star Wars. Yeah. First character in Star Wars history, Jar Jar Binks. And then they put all this weight on this. I don't know how the kid was like eight years old. They put all the weight on this eight-year-old kid. Well, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. This is the kid who's going to grow up to be Darth Vader. This was just a bad idea from the beginning. And I think what Lucas says about it is, oh, it's a kid's movie. Like, you really think that that's what's going to happen? That they're going to, people are going to go, oh, this is a kid's movie. Like, yeah. Star Wars is a gigantic France franchise. If you want to make a kid's movie, make it animated then. You could have had Jar Jar Binks animated and nobody would have cared. But to, <laughs> to do what they did with this, I mean, I was so mad. I didn't watch the next two until a couple weeks ago. I finally watched them. <laughs> the two prequels. Yeah. And now I finally get... <laughs> get to know what everybody thinks about um the prequels all the jokes and everything because i finally saw them did you uh have you seen the phantom menace recently no you just won't even watch it no what about, have you i have and yeah. i because i wanted to uh i just wanted to see if i felt the same way and i tell you what i liked it a lot more the second time i really did maybe it was because i you know i don't know what it was what was the reason but um jar jar binks didn't bother me as much and uh jake lloyd the, who played the, the the young anakin he didn't bother me as much um i thought darth maul's a great you know villain he is, he is. and Neeson, he's Liam Neeson, and he does a good job. I thought of, you know, like, uh, you know, I've I've never seen such, uh, you know, activity in this young kid, and um, and it also feels like a Star Wars movie in the way it's paced, and cut and shot. Um, yeah, I I was watching it. I was I, I'll put it this way: I was watching it to make fun of it. And uh, and our, and when the movie was over, I was like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. That really wasn't. Um, anyway, um, I wind. I uh, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy and say it's you know, um, you know, it's not even the best of the th of the prequel movies, but it's miles better than Attack of the Clones. Okay, so where do you where do you put it? Phantom Menace. Yes, I put Phantom Menace sixth ahead what? of Return of the Jedi. Yes, yes. Good night, everyone. You this podcast will see that I am correct. No, History God. will vindicate me. Well, this has been the last episode of Jag Bags. Thank you to all our listeners. I'm going to be moving on to my solo podcast. Also, Three's Company is one of the greatest sitcoms oh. of all time. 
and Kurosawa was a genius. Well, I've never, I, Kurosawa, that's open because I haven't seen anything. Oh. <laughs> so you're, go, you're good for, for now until I watch some of his movies. Watch Phantom Menace again. Do it. As Palpatine says, do it. <laughs> Guess where I rate it? Dead last. Dead last. Dead last. You are correct. It's not that bad. I still want a refund. <laughs> I was with you when the, when the movie first came out. I was like, oh my God, I've never felt more cheated in my life. But uh, I, I, since seeing it again, I was like, oh, that really, I was, I was very surprised. Let's move on to the next one. Which, which really it. is the worst. The next one really is the worst out of all of them. That is Attack so. of the Clones. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's second worst. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because Yoda lightsaber. Ridiculous. Yoda lightsaber made it worth watching. Ridiculous. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I read something. Mm-hmm today that some people did think it was kind of ridiculous but i i like seeing yoda in action with the lightsaber but on the flip side i wrote down this wonderful speech which i realized now has been memed and made fun of forever but i never saw it and it's the i don't like sand (laughs) (laughs) irritating I can't even finish it. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Everything is soft and smooth. <laughs> I mean, how many draft was this the first draft he wrote? Oh. Just awful. And and uh Hayden Christensen is just he's terrible. He's terrible. It's hard. I mean, in his defense though, he is acting with really strong i mean they get all these serious english actors then you have this young guy who's supposed to be this super villain and he just he can't handle it it's just hard for him to match up to these other guys i agree i even read some stuff that like natalie portman some people didn't like natalie portman i thought she was fine i thought she was fine she is fine with what she did. It's just some of the dialogues is awful. There's not much you can do with it. Awful dialogue. Every scene between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, which is like half the movie, <laughs> just grinds the whole action just to just a grinding halt. And you're just like, oh my God, there's another scene between these two. Holy. <laughs> oh, this scene is still going. Oh no. But, uh, <laughs> You know, Yoda lightsaber. So that's what makes it better than Phantom Menace for me. <laughs> where you put it, where you put it as the worst? I attack the clones, I say is the worst. Okay. Well, let's move on to Revenge of the Sith then. I, out of all the um, prequel movies, by far, this was my favorite. Yeah, I think it's the best one too. I, there's a couple good things in it. Again, Yoda lightsaber and uh, Mace Windu. The Mace Windu lightsaber fight is good. This one's <laughs> this one's memed a lot too because yes, <laughs> there's a scene where 
uh, Ewan McGregor arrives and goes, hello there. <laughs> of course, Henry's telling me all this stuff while we're watching it. He like knows all the memes. And another one is, Anakin, I have the high ground. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. Oh, <laughs> uh, Declan is like, he loves that. <laughs> he also loves, um, there's a couple things. Uh, he loves at the beginning when um, when Anakin kills Mace, or not Mace Window, Count Dooku, um, like easily um, to show that like this is how much of a, a, a badass Anakin Skywalker has become. But uh, he doesn't want to kill him. And uh, Palpatine tells him to do it. It tells him to kill him. He says, do it. And uh, that's Declan's favorite. He'll walk around the house and, and uh, Eileen will say, you know, you need to be, you need to take out the trash or, you know, whatever. And then Declan will be behind saying, do it. So um, that's a good meme. And uh, for him and, uh, and then the others at the end when he's Darth Vader. And um, she was alive. She was alive. Yeah, you know, uh, and Natalie Portman, who's such a really good actress, but you don't care, though. You don't care about that. I know. It's just because there's no chemistry between those two. None. So this great love story doesn't affect you at all. What I, th- I think what did Lucas in was his just his choice of casting. If he'd had better actors, I think these prequels would have been so much better. Yes. Because you have to carry it. I mean, there's too much to carry. It's a Darth Vader origin story. You need yep. the best. You need someone who has Anakin. I mean, um, Hayden Christensen has no, not even a hint of darkness to him. None. None. So that was, yeah, major casting fail. Agreed. Well, where do you, what do you, did you like about it? And then what, what do you, where do you rank this one? I thought it was well-written, actually, to tell you the truth. And I think if they'd had any kind of acting, it would have been rated much. I rated it fifth overall. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm serious this time, everyone. Last Jagbags episode. Thank you for all your support. I I need to know what you've rated ahead of Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) Where'd you put it? Ninth. 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 Oh man, we Amy have Christensen's in it, Beef. We have problems. Main character is played by an actor who can't act. We have problems. <laughs> the story. The story is still too good. I don't think Hayden Christensen is nearly as terrible. And over the years, I've grown to kind of accept Hayden Christensen now. Well, you're wrong. His woodenness as like this is Darth Vader. No. no. Um, so there's no I, edge. They need, they need somebody with something of an edge, any kind of edge. And he is as round as you can come. Boy, uh, you really are. You know, uh, De- <laughs> Declan wrote a letter. He was so into um, as a kid. He was so into Star Wars. He wanted Hayden he wanted uh, the factory theater to do a Star Wars story starring Hayden Christensen. And he wrote a letter to Lucasfilms, found the address, wrote a letter 
asking if um, Hayden Christensen would like to come to Chicago and be in a factory show. And he offered Hayden Christensen $40 yeah. to come out, which some people might say he'd overpaid. <laughs> Certainly you would. <laughs> Declan should try that now. It'd probably work. <laughs> All right, let's get to the, uh, the, the, uh, the Disney the Disney movies, um, The Force Awakens. What you? Uh, what was your take on The Force Awakens? Everything from now on, I liked. Uh, I was very happy that Star Wars was back. And the difference between, I know you don't like the, some of these, but the difference between these and the prequels is the casting's good. Right. You got Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, and Adam Driver. That's what Adam Driver, mixed feelings about Adam Driver. I don't think he's bad, but he's he's not as good as the other three I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was excited. I was excited. And some people's complaints about it was like, oh, it's just like the same plot, exact plot of Star Wars. But the appeal to me, one, it's Star Wars. I was just happy to have Star Wars back. And two, I liked all of these characters. I was interested in them. Like what you were saying, ex-Stormtrooper, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on with Rey, who is she, um, Oscar Isaac's, Oscar Isaac's kind of like a Han Solo character, I guess, and to some extent, probably a little nicer. But he's a really good actor. So I was, I was drawn to all of them. So I, I was happy. Great acting. Great, great acting in all of them. Yeah. Plus Harrison Ford, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good. I was, um, I, was happy to, I was happy to see it. The problem with The Force Awakens and the Disney movies is the, the writing. I, I felt like the writing was not up to, like you said, it was kind of like they, they recycled you know, what are the, what are the big star Wars bits that, you know, that people want to see and we'll give them that. And um, the force awakens. I mean, some of the stuff was great. Like when they revealed the millennium Falcon for the first time. Awesome. Really. That really worked. Um, and uh, when uh, you know some of uh, uh, Hans banter with the, uh, Finn was really funny. Like when Han said, what are we going to do once we get in there? And his, uh, Finn says, well, we'll, we'll just use the force. And Han <laughs> goes, That's not how the force works. Like that was, that was good. Very funny. Um, but overall I felt it was formulaic and that's what kept it. And I'm a little too Disney. There's some Disney smoothing out of the edges that's why i didn't but i i I saw force awakens three times and each time i liked it a little less but the first time that i saw it i really liked it that's what i'm saying though i think you're that kind of star wars person or you love star wars but you keep watching it to lesser effect which i don't get it's like me i was happy to have star wars i saw it i enjoyed it but I didn't watch it again. I think I might, mm-hmm. I might have seen it twice, but that's because 
I saw it with Henry, but we didn't see the whole thing because he was little and he got scared towards the end. So we left. Right. Then I watched again. I saw it with friends and then saw it with the kids. And I forget why the third time that I watched it. Oh, I, when we got Disney Plus, then I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the, the Disney movies. Put your hand on your chin. With a critical eye. <laughs> All right. Where do you place this one? I, you know, uh, you, you might want to sit down for these rankings. You're getting very upset. Uh, <laughs> there's no need to point that blaster at me while I'm uh, giving the, uh, the ratings. Um, I ranked The Force Awakens seventh. Okay. I have an eighth. So we kind of agree. We kind of agree there. Like I said, all everything eight and higher, I really liked. Um, oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Um, should we go on to the last Jedi? Uh, Rogue One was next chronological. Oh, cause of chronological. Okay. Rogue One. I loved Rogue One. Loved it. How about yeah, you? Rogue, Rogue One surprised me because mm -hmm. it's kind of an odd reason, but I'd seen Felicity Jones in a couple things. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was a bad actress. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure how this fit in the Star Wars universe. So I was a little worried about it, but I still went and saw it. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, very mm -hmm. good. it was very good. And the people on our my Star Wars posts, they're all raving about Rogue One. I saw it. Rogue One, that's a movie I've seen three or four times. And I've watched it, you know, with the you know, pen and paper ready to <laughs> dissect and probe and rogue one. I've liked more. <laughs> I've liked it wearing glasses. That yes. Need while watching these movies. Well, they're my fisheye sized glasses that fit my mask. Um, I've liked rogue one more with each viewing. Um, I just, uh, I think the writing's great. Um, I think the acting is real stellar. Yeah, Felicity Jones is not, you know, the, they'll never confuse her with Meryl Streep. But, but I did like her in this. I did she like was, her. they, I was they used her well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Who else was in that? Refresh my memory. Uh, Rogue One cast. I know the faces, but the villain who was, uh, was told, uh, be careful not to choke on your ambition. Uh, he was great. I mean, finally, we have a outstanding uh, villain. Um, uh, Diego Luna. He was Cassian Andor. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast. Yeah, guys, I'm fairly familiar with, but I don't think I was familiar with some of them. Um, Mads Mickelson. Yeah, Mads Mickelson's great. Ben Mendelsohn is a guy people really like as an actor, mm -hmm. but I just watched The Outsider. Do you know what that is? Of Stephen King. Oh, I haven't seen it. HBO series, and he's terrible in it. So, oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, Riz Ahmed, he's a really good actor. Yeah. And Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, it, like I said, I was a big, I was pleasantly surprised. Agreed. So you rated this one really high then, right? I ranked it third. Yeah. 
I have it pretty high. I have it six. And six, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I think it was because my expectations were low. That was part of the reason. Yeah. You, I will say with Rogue One, I didn't know what to think. I just didn't know what to think. And uh, like you, I walked out of there like, that was awesome. You're just like, more Star Wars. All right, I'll go see it. See what happens. I think that this is the direction that they should go with future Star Wars movies in that I I feel like they should make movies that are within the existing Star Wars framework. Like Rogue One is right, but obviously takes place right before the invasion of the Death Star. And the other movie like this, Solo, it takes place at a very set time in Han Solo's life, almost also like an origin kind of story. But it's at a specific point within the, the accepted, let's say, life of Anakin Skywalker. And I feel like they should do more movies. The Mandalorian is the same way. And I feel like though that's the direction they should follow with Star Wars, as opposed to this Disney thing where they're trying to continue it. I uh, then maybe they can make it work, but I didn't feel these movies did the. Did the yeah, well, somebody's uh, gonna accomplish gonna, that. Yeah, the Mandalorian I think was a smart way to do it. Agreed. Go to TV for now, and then maybe in a few years they'll come up with another movie idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what came after Rogue One? Was that the Last Jedi? Last Jedi, your favorite. I, okay. This is you your go. Turn, your turn to rant. Go ahead. My turn to rant. I now see. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the Last Jedi just so bad. First of all, way too long. Just end the movie. <laughs> Two, you had these characters that were off to such promising starts <clears throat> and you gave them nothing to do in this movie. You stuck Ray, who's like a terrific act, terrific actress, interesting character, and you put her on an island with cranky Luke Skywalker <laughs> where Ray's like, Hey, you should help us. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, well, now what do I do? Oh, well, how about now? You want to help us now? No. No. You know, that's, I was like, what's going on here? Um, they reduced uh, Poe, Oscar Isaac, again, terrific actor. And they, they made him this kind of cardboard kind of a uh, rebel type character where he's basically fighting with Laura Dern's character um, over the direction of this ragtag ship. And so all of Poe's lines were, what are you doing with our strategy? Holdo's like, I am the commander and you will listen to me. Add Oscar Isaac to your amazing impression list. <laughs> uh, amazing talents of beef. I uh, thank you. I felt that uh, Finn and um, the uh, character, I forget her name, she was played by the actress Kelly Tran. They just put them on some re uh, ridiculous side plot 
that I, I agree felt with you on Kelly Tran because they just each each movie she got less and less to do. Yeah, as a Skywalker, she got to do nothing. Nothing. I don't know what happened with with that. But uh, and and I felt like and this is the last thing I'll say about the Last Jedi is that they had all these they basically kind of like had all these accepted Star Wars kind of beliefs and you know assumptions about the way that you know th- these stories are supposed to unfold and i felt like the director and i think he wrote it too ryan johnson didn't he write and direct this i don't know i can't remember but i felt like they were breaking all those conventions but not to serve a story but to say ha ha we got you um we are just we're breaking with these conventions just for the sake of doing that and everyone's like oh how daring so unconventional i'm like but it didn't serve the story it was just doing it for its own sake um so that was these are my major problems with the last jedi i liked it of course i'm in the minority well i don't know i feel like a majority of people really liked the last jedi i don't know people complain about last jedi but yeah but again i think star wars fans We'll complain about these movies, but then they'll still watch them ten times. I uh, I will watch the last. I've I've seen the Last <laughs> Jedi twice, and Laura Dern, her scene I think is the best scene in the movie. Uh, when she when she when she blows up the other ship, that was awesome. I think that's a great scene. Yeah, only good scene of the movie. Yeah, no, I like. I still liked it. I like <laughs> Evan. Um, I didn't mind Krabby Luke. Again, it's just more Star Wars for me, so I was happy. Yeah. Um, where'd you rank The Last Jedi? Seventh. Seventh. I ranked it tenth. So only better than what was eleventh for you? Attack of the Clones. <laughs> wow. I just didn't. Well, I mean, again, it's Star Wars, so this is all relative. So I mean, <laughs> some movies got to be eleventh and twelfth. Ooh. Okay. Oh man, our, we have two left. This could be our final podcast, ladies two, and gentlemen. No, I know this one we agree on. Solo, loved it. Me too. Loved it. Talk about good writing. Yes. Just everything, everything they hit about his past made sense. Yes. Whoever wrote that, bravo. Kudos. I mean, I thought the guy, um, the guy who played Han Solo was great. Great. And the Chewbacca meeting up, meeting Chewbacca, Chewbacca for her thing. It's just, they really terrific. Like I said, the writing was good. So it made sense, but it also gets to you because, all right, there's one of our favorite, two of our favorite characters meeting up for the first time. Yes. And it's just, I just pulled it up 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. People are dumb. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. I, I don't get why people didn't like this movie. What I liked about it, so the acting was great. Apparently the movie was a total mess. And they gave it to Ron Howard and said, can you please try and salvage this? And I think that Ron Howard understood a major truth about these Star Wars movies and that they are meant to be summer blockbuster popcorn movies with lots of action 
cracking jokes and a cool and maybe just like a cool, cool plot twists. And what I, and Ron Howard understands that because he's a child of the seventies and, and, uh, and he really brought that uh, to light in solo. I liked um, the fact that it became this kind of like battle of wits. Once uh, Han Solo gets involved with Crimson Dawn and then it's kind of this high stakes. Well, who do we trust? You know, we're shifting alliances that worked to perfection. I thought, um, and, uh, Woody Harrelson was terrific, yes, terrific. Yeah, really good. And you wouldn't think a guy like Woody Harrelson makes sense. Mm -hmm. in the Star Wars universe, but he was really good. Yeah. Donald Glover. Excellent. And, uh, the droid, L337. Hilarious. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who would make Fleabag, which is, you know, won 85 Emmys. She's yep. hilarious in it. Hilarious. It's sad. it's sad when she dies in it. I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, Solo, that's, that's one I definitely got to go back and watch again because I loved it. Loved it. I remember seeing that with Henry and we were both just enraptured by it. We're like, this is so good. Really good. Yeah. Where'd you rank solo? Fourth. Me too. Yeah. Look at that. We can agree. Friends again. <laughs> we'll be back next week, everyone. Boy, by a week. Apologize for the hostile. I, uh, I saved it by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> okay. Let's get to the last one. All right. Rise of Skywalker. I feel like this is the most scorned Star Wars movie. You think so? This or Attack of the Clones. I liked I liked it. What was your problems with it? You know what? So I ranked it ninth. I did not hate Rise of Skywalker. And um <laughs> once I accepted that the premise was ridiculous <laughs> and that the idea of this movie was to just get as big and crazy and you know sometimes wacky as possible once i once i accepted that then i absolutely enjoyed rise of skywalker and this is the only star wars movie that i only saw once really yeah only one are you gonna watch it again yeah, I'd like to because it's funny. So I went with Jesse and uh, we were supposed to see, uh, I forget, we went to the one on Western, right by the highway, uh, Western Avenue. And um, the uh, the showing that we went to was, was sold out. And uh, Jesse was like, and I said, oh, it's sold out. We'll have to come back another time. And she said, oh, no, there's one that's uh, going to... Um, it starts in like 15 minutes. And I said, that's like the crazy one where they like, you sit in the rumble seats and they, um, you know, blow smoke in your face and spray. I mean, it costs tickets cost like $30 per, and it's like super surround sound. And I was like, I'm not paying that. And Jesse was like, daddy, please. I was like, oh, God, so, I mean, I paid through the nose 
and I was crabby <laughs> sitting down. And uh, and then throughout the movie, like when they're having the big uh, the lightsaber battle on on the ocean. Yeah, I like. That. Uh, I thought that like, was great. They're actually spl- splashing. I'm getting actually water splashed <laughs> in my face. That was really cool. Yeah. That scene is, I love that scene. I, uh, and I think that, uh, I don't know whether that contributed to the ridiculousness and therefore my enjoyment of the movie. But I remember thinking, I'm not going to like this movie. I'm in a bad mood. I've paid, you know, outrageous sums of money and walked out of there like, that was fun. And Jesse felt the same way. So, but I kind of felt the same way, like when the flying stormtroopers showed up. And uh, I forget what character said, flying stormtroopers now. And they said, yes, flying stormtroopers. That's kind of how I was. I was like, you know what? Yes, flying stormtroopers. I'm in. Yeah, I am in. The, what about the red stormtroopers? I thought that was cool. Yes. Yes. Let's see. Let's get red stormtroopers. Yeah. Well, I liked it. What? Uh, where did you rank Rise of Skywalker? Fifth. 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 <laughs> Fifth. We are no longer friends. I like. I've, I like the resolutions. I think. I'm starting my jazz podcast next week. <laughs> next week, this will be called Jazz Bag. <laughs> A solo Mike Buyer podcast starting next week. I ranked Rise of Skywalker ninth. Yeah, yeah. But like I, I feel like you're that Star Wars fan I'm talking about. You like to critique them severely, but you still watch them many times. Absolutely. It's Star Wars. It's Star <laughs> Wars. What do you why do you think this particular series has so many people doing that? Because there's a mythology. Yeah, I think there's there's, care- to, there's stuff to break down. No doubt. And I would I don't even consider myself as serious as other fans. Like No, I don't you're go- not, but there's you have a little of it, I think. A little yeah. bit. Um I mean, yeah, it's it's something I grew up with. And um you know, I'm always gonna if they if they put out a Star Wars product in front of me, I'm gonna watch it. Um and uh you know, I have the books, so, um, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> Let me consult my literature. Hmm. Books separate the adults from the children. <laughs> Len is now taking the blaster and putting it in his mouth, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hoping to end it all. Rather than listen to one more second of my blather. R.A.P. Lenfoot. Self on a lightsaber after the Star Wars podcast. He died from <laughs> listening to Beave too much. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> no, not too bad, though. Not too bad. Yeah. I think our biggest disagreement is uh, Revenge of the Sith. And the Phantom Menace. Let's let's not speak of the Phantom Menace again. Yeah, well, watch it again. Watch it again. If Henry wants to, I will watch it with him. I won't do it on my own though. <laughs> I'm texting Henry right now. 
I put bead black on his phone. So <laughs> that will not get through. After the, uh, well, there's been several incidents. No, I, I don't blame you. Well, everyone out there listening, remember, I'm sure everyone will have a lot to say about this one. Just fax Beeb your complaints. He'll be ready. I will be ready. <laughs> also, send us an email. We are at jagbagspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I forgot to mention earlier, our recent sitcom podcast has proven to be our second most popular one ever. So if you have a subject you want us to tackle, like the sitcom one that everyone seemed to really enjoy, let us know. And we will uh, try to deliver that to you. Yes. We are, uh, you can, uh, (laughs) you can reach us on our Facebook page. We are also on Twitter. And we are also on Instagram. Please drop us a comment. Um, tell us what you like, didn't like, any topics you want to see. And we will uh, we will get you in the queue for sure. Um, what uh, is on the docket for next week? As I mentioned earlier, <coughs> Michael, we will discuss March Madness. We'll talk about who we think is going to win, any possible Cinderella's, that'll be fun. And also Rock Hall of Fame, also a very controversial topic, I think. We'll yeah. talk about who's on the current ballot. We'll talk about who should be in that isn't in yet. And also who is in that we don't like and shouldn't be in. And we are correct because we, we are. are the, well, this is you. <laughs> You come here for expertise and we deliver. Expertise. Yes. So tune in for that next week. That'll be a good one. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, as always, we appreciate your um, support. And uh, if you like us, tell a friend about us. Um, if you don't like us, we are the Turn Leftist Podcast. <laughs> and uh, as always, when you're ready to listen... Put a little jag bags in your ear.